Hey, this is Darren Jenkins, founder of Filmloft New York and the host of the Drop the Mic podcast show. And on today's show, we have a really great guest, an awesome person. Monique Lewis joins us. Stay tuned. It's going to be a great show. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing excellent. I'm glad to connect with you on this Friday. How's everything going? Oh, it's Friday, so it can't be that bad. (laughs) Happy Friday is always a good happy Friday. Yes, happy Friday to you as well. I work constantly, so Friday is like any other day to me, but you know. Yeah, I know. Trust me. It's kind of smoke and mirrors, so. Yes, right? (laughs) Well, thank you for being on the podcast today. Of course. Thank you for having me. This is this is great. So, you know, we we've just kind of just stumbled upon each other, which is yeah. was good. Obviously, we're both avid networkers and um and you've been you're you know you're you're playing in the PR field. Yes. Um how long have you been in, in PR? Uh, so I actually started, um, years ago as a brand ambassador, promo model and, um, product manager, specialist, whatever you want to call it. Um, Mm -hmm. I started in that in 2001, so almost 20 years ago and I worked my way up in the field and then I realized that, you know, either I have to get out or I have Mm. to move on from where I was because clients wanted to work with me directly. A lot of people don't know in that world, it's just like with any other type of, uh, you know, like acting, modeling, anything like that, you have agencies. So when clients wanted to work with me directly, it became a conflict of interest. So that's when I was like, "Uh, I got to get out. Either I get out or I stay. So Mm. I got out. And then this was like in 2008. Eight. I did a couple of things when I moved to New York. I moved to New York in 2008, mm-hmm. but I got out in early 2008 before I moved to New York. And then I started working with companies and brands directly. And then literally PR just became a natural fit with it. I started with the idea of doing events. I still have yet to create the kind of, and now with COVID going on, right? What kind of mm-hmm. events can we do now? But I have like this really unique and very innovative ideas for events, but it's about finding the clients who have the budget to do that, right? Yeah. So now that COVID's going on, it's going to be tricky to execute the kind of events I have in mind, but actually it may work better this time because my events are so like events I've actually designed and created and, and, you know, had the thought about doing are so elaborate and so uniquely, you know, constructed, mm-hmm. actually less people is better. Mm, yeah. I, you know, I, having been in events for quite a while, I, um, I completely understand that, that and it's, for people who who don't plan events or they're doing the like the um, conventional things, 
they probably listen to hear that and go, what? That, how does that even make any sense? But there's like, I always tell people like, there's, there's sometimes it's better to have quality over quantity. Yes. And I think that's where that comes into play. Because if you can provide like your attendees with less people, but more impactful networking or net more impactful content, that's far more valuable than filling the room with 300 people. You know what I mean? So. Absolutely. And then the kind of ideas I would have would be like very interactive, very hands-on. And like you said, you're in events, so you know very well yourself. Mm. Like I've gone to events and I've been completely bored. And right. it'll be the same thing over and over, right? Like it's all right, you go in, you get food, you drink, someone talks, maybe some music. It's not a lot going on to be like, oh, this is really amazing. This is really cool. So that that's one of the concepts I focus on when I, you know, design events is how interactive can it be? How creative could, you know, could I make it and keep people engaged from literally from the moment they walk through the door till the moment they leave. So that is something, like you said, you definitely, less is definitely more in that case. Mm. So, you, so you're not originally from New York, correct? Uh-uh. I'm a, I was born in D.C. and raised in Arlington. Oh, okay. Yeah. And what about you? I'm I'm from originally from across the river in Newark, but I've spent I've, I've lived a lot of different places, and I've spent but I've spent most of my time here in big old New York City, probably. Mm, 30 years now or so, nice. 20, 20 years, something like that. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, this is where it's happening, right? I mean, I guess it's, at least that's what I would, I tend to believe. Um, New York is a place that, I was on a, um, another podcast last week with um, a friend of mine, Devin Dixon, and um, he said something that he's like, you know, look, if you're in New York and you don't, you say there's no opportunities for things for you to do things, then you're not looking. You really just I agree. Not I agree. There, there's so many opportunities here. It's a place where I myself and, and millions of people have dreamed of living. My grandfather, when he came to this country from Sierra Leone was actually a, quote unquote, like cast away in Brooklyn. You know, he was working on a ship. He was supposed to go back mm -hmm. and he just decided to stay in Brooklyn and, you know, go from there. So it is one of those places. If you, if you really, yeah, it's tough and you got to work hard and it's definitely going to kick you down more times than it'll pick you up, but it has its own special energy to it. And it's also, a place where it's it's just nowhere else like it in the world. I can confidently say that. And it's true. If you if you don't see opportunity, it's because you're not looking for it. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you know, so I was looking at your 
um, some of the stuff that you've done, which I will have to tell you was pretty impressive. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I work hard. <laughs> yeah, no, you definitely are. You definitely are putting the work in and getting the most out of it for sure. You've done some some really um, amazing things with some really great um, clients like. TEDx Dupree Park and yes. Bella and New York Fashion Week. I mean, that's um, that's that's a pretty good um, resume you got there. Thank you. How, Thank so you for much. those, you know, for 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 the person who doesn't um, do what we do, which is kind of build experiences. Um, and especially from a like a client um, perspective, can you tell us a little bit about what goes into like working with a client? You know, that's like because I, you know, when you're working with some of these big clients, the stakes are higher. You know what I mean? There's there's so much more. Like you not only have to have the idea, but you have to be able to execute it, right? So yes. Absolutely. So actually, I'm going to refer to my last project, which has mm. actually been keeping me so busy these days, because mm. now it's just media appointment after media appointment. Right. Um, I was speaking with the client I currently have now. I was speaking with her back in March, and we signed together in May, end of May. Mm-hmm. And it was for that first month from May to June was actually a campaign. She is the grand uh, grand winner of the Essence by Pine Sol Build Your Legacy 150K thousand grant. Oh, yeah, I thought she won. Hmm. Yes, so Market 7, Mary Blackford. And that that really lends a lot to what you're saying, what your question is about, like, the stakes are higher for sure, and you have to execute. So we, it's funny, we were, we actually just first got a chance to meet last Sunday. Uh, we were saying how we essentially ran a political campaign. You know, we did the email mark. We did everything we could virtually. And if it wasn't for COVID, we would have hit the streets asking for votes, you know? (laughs) So um, it's, it's definitely a lot of work. And first it starts, one thing I always do, I never assume I know what the client wants. Mm. I always ask them, what are your immediate goals? What are your, what are your goals three months from now? And what are your goals two years from now? Because you're looking at retaining that client for a long period of time, preferably. Mm-hmm. So once I get those goals um, defined, and if they don't know, I really will hammer it through. I'll say, well, are you looking for exposure? Are you looking for investors? Are you looking for more clients or customers? Are you looking to expand? Are you looking to franchise? There's so many questions, right? right. So once I nail it down from them exactly what they want to, like, they're basically the reason they're hiring me, then I draft together a concept and a strategy to and a proposal mm-hmm. to make it 
all work and happen. And I always defer to the client because I tell them, no one's going to know your business better than you know your business. So I always defer to them before, even if we've discussed it at nauseam, I will still ask them before I release something. I'll give an example. Like before I release a press release, I will make sure it goes through their approval and they're happy with it. Before I do an email marketing campaign, the same. Mm -hmm. Website content change, blogs, collaborations with celebrities, you name it, I will make sure to get their approval before launching anything. So with Market 7, it was super exciting because we literally used all channels of PR and marketing. So, of course, radio, TV, blogs, podcasts. um, We did print and digital articles. We did the celebrity interaction. A lot of people don't know what that is, but basically I work with almost every celebrity in the world you can think of, not directly, but with their publicists and agents and managers. Mm -hmm. So I have that accessibility. If need be, I can pull them into a campaign to you know, elevate the exposure of that campaign. And of course, you know, depending on budget and all of that. So we were able to do that celeb integration on her campaign, as well as, you know, it helped having DC mayor tweet her out multiple times and prominent political and figures within the DC area basically culminating in our goal, which was to win that grant. And now we're working on sponsorships and we're working on, of course, more uh, media plates. She's, she has gone viral. So it's been over 20 media interviews we've had in less than 30 days. It's, it's been hectic to say the least, Mm. but it's also been very satisfying. So that's an example of a very well-run successful PR campaign. And of course that would be ideal for every client, right? She had Mm -hmm. her goals. She knew what she wanted. She had her budget. I'm able to match that and tailor and alter my service to match it you know, exactly what she's looking for and that we hit the ground running. It also helps when a client cares about their business. I never want to be in the position where I care about the business more than the client does. And that's happened too. Mm, yeah, that's, a, that's, um, it's, I always liken it to, so I spent a little bit of time doing graphic design work for, you know, as freelance and there's, there's, you know, the, the most challenging part of the job is not the actual design work. It's the trying to work with the client and get them to um, be as um, as open with you about what their what their um, goals are, but also be realistic within. Um, what what they are supposed you know what to expect you know and then um you know if any other good designer will kind of keep the client in the communication loop going throughout the the life of the um, design to the end obviously where they get to see whatever it is you've done and that kind of thing i think an event is a lot like that sometimes too especially when um they don't know what they want or they don't 
understand like why you've done certain things the way you've done them. Um, knowing that you're trying, basically you're, I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're their advocate, right? You're trying to give them as much success as possible. And so it's almost like you have to play part psychiatrist, (laughs) part, you know, um, relationship coach part, (laughs) you know, you're playing all these different roles, you know, it's so um, true. It's always, love talking to people who do this because I know that's a tough part of the job. And when you, when you're kind of dealing, cause, um, I, I've actually had to, as you can probably imagine, and I imagine the same for your business as well, right? Like someone will ask you, Oh, do you need, do you know someone who does PR? Do you know someone who mm-hmm. does websites? Do you know someone who does this and that? Mm-hmm. And same with me, I will get those requests. Like, do you know someone who does um, graphic design? Do you know someone who does webs- do websites? Do you know someone who, you know, SEO, SEM, you name it. Right. So in that, I ask because I have had to integrate, you know, of course, graphic designers into my campaigns and events and stuff like that. What has been some of the most challenging thing? Obviously, you know, nailing down the client's vision is very difficult. I can imagine some times but how do you work how do you sort of work around that also with maintaining like you said maintaining the expectations like you're going it's going to look like this the color I know you want this Mm -hmm. color but when it comes out on this template it's going to look this way how do you manage those expectations and keep them happy right because reviews we literally I think it is no small thing to say that word of mouth is still our biggest selling point, yes, right? Absolutely. So last thing we want is someone to be unhappy, but also it's just like, you can't make everybody happy. Yeah, I think that's, I think there's two parts to that um, answer. The first part, I believe it is right at the very beginning, which is to like, you know, when there's you have to be like you're when you're working with a client you're or when a new client has come to you or or someone's reached out to you about possibly working together this is kind of like the dating phase right this is where you're you're on a first date and you've got to decide at that moment in time whether this is a client you can work with i think there's a lot about choose like everyone thinks it should it's a one-sided situation where the clients have to choose you but no i think you have to choose the clients as well i think because you know time is money and yeah you can't afford to waste a lot of time and a lot of cycles on a client that you know right up front you can't help like that's right you know what I mean? So I'll give you an example. Sorry hmm. to interrupt you. I'll give you a Go. perfect example today. And I won't, I won't say who this person is. Sure. Basically we had a conversation because she saw how I was um, interacting on Instagram. Like I'm very blunt. I'm very pro black. I'm very pro social justice. So I don't hmm. hold my tongue, mm-hmm. which is something obviously we can talk about too, right? How yep. this person, <laughs> but um, I don't hold my tongue. I refuse to. And 
Um, I basically, like she saw an interaction that I had and she really liked that. And then, you know, went to my page and saw what I did, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So then she reaches out to me and she's like, you know, I'm putting out this album and I have, you know, a song that's going to be coming out. And I, you know, asked her a couple questions. And then I said, basically, you know, send me an email. Let me know if you, you know, how you want to structure this, if you want the song to be promoted, if you want the album, you know, just kind of let me know. Mm -hmm. And then I told her, let me know your budget. And I said, you know, I definitely, you know, through my connections and network and, you know, meeting people such as yourself, right? Like I can find ways to work with you. Right. So she writes me, I, you know, that was, I think like on, that was earlier this week. And then I, you know, I always send a follow-up if I don't hear right away as we do, you know, looking Mm. forward to your email, et cetera, et cetera. Then I get an email that basically says she has no budget. I was flabbergasted, (laughs) absolutely flabbergasted. PR is not free. I don't need you on my resume. I just helped a client get six figures. I don't need you. And Mm. I hate to be so blunt like that, but it Mm. just absolutely blew me away that she saw, even though my Instagram is just a small piece of what I've done, it's still enough on there for people to realize, all right, she is not cheap, you know? Mm -hmm. And it amazed me that she saw my work she's seen my instagram she's been to my page and that is what she comes back with so i'm sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you but that (laughs) but no that's that's exactly it right i mean um there's i have a facebook group and um it's for filmmakers and there was one guy and i won't again i won't also won't put anybody out there but one person who posted on there um, I think they were trying to find a crew of people to help them shoot a film. Um, but they are, what they were offering was little or nothing. Like, <laughs> And so one of the other members flagged it in, to me. And so I, you know, I do my due diligence. I say, okay, like why? It's like, because we're, this is a group of professional filmmakers and if right. he, you know what I mean? Like you can't <laughs> waste our time with those posts. That's just so. I'm like, you, you know what? You're right. It's that's actually right. And um, it, it, it's the it's the um, I, I get it all the time. And um, and I I think there's you know unfortunately, like I get it. I get people have dreams and they want to do things and they want to make things and they want to do their own things and they need help. I get that. It's totally legit. But though you need to understand the difference between, you know, like I would never go to Johnson and Johnson and say, Hey, um, I just need some free uh, products, you know, cause um, I just need them, you know, they didn't look at me like I was crazy, you know, or, you know, I'm open up a pharmacy, uh, just provide us with free products. And we'll give you um, influencers, right? Yeah. Like, you just gotta be realistic in where you're reaching out to people. Like there's, you know, my, you can't just go and just 
expect you know what kills me the most about this and i could rail about this for a long time (laughs) um what kills me the most about it is when um people who approach you in that manner and then they get offended because they think you should help them and i'm just like i got bills to pay my my landlord don't know you he's not gonna come he's not gonna come to you and say you know, oh, he helped you? Oh, okay, we'll knock that off the ring. <laughs> I mean, come on. I, I, was, I was laughing so much because that is so, and you're right, and this is exactly why I said, all right, I was almost, untem- I was almost tempted to unfollow her, but I said, I won't do that. Right. But I just deleted the email. I deleted the message. And of course, if she reaches out, she's going to, you know, understand exactly why you do not approach me with free offers but it was also something remember i just mentioned to you that i you know i work across the board to create you know really great campaigns Mm. for clients and i've been able to do that you know um as i mentioned with market seven that i'm very proud of that because Mm. you know within a within 30 days six figures i that's a huge coup right there yeah so huge huge and we're literally just you know using that as a springboard and raising even more funds to help her continue to grow not only her business she's a platform for 60 other black owned businesses and even more businesses so Mm. that's a huge coup but also another huge coup is like new york fashion week i literally just got on the phone with production houses i had a request from china to find programs for interns you know to have them intern in new york fashion week Mm -hmm. had no clue what i was doing got on the phone with like art hearts fashion ftl moda all these different agencies and they were like oh yeah that'd be great we'd love to do this and literally that's how I got that done. And I've been working New York Fashion Week since 2017, almost every season. So it's been such an honor, you know, just like, Mm. who knew I could do that, you know? So it's it's been really great to have some of these amazing campaigns and another one was our wellington hair spa with the former destiny's child michelle williams you know this was some great stuff but Mm -hmm. i say that all to say you know this is the reason and a lot of people don't understand why i say this i love to work with um, you know, celebrities, publicists, and managers, and agents, and all of that. Mm-hmm. But working directly is a different story. And just mm-hmm. as we're talking about, right, like the free stuff, free services, I can't go to my landlord as well and say, oh, yeah, I worked with Beyonce. He'd be like, fantastic. Yeah, then you should have checks. my $3,500. And <laughs> if you worked with Beyonce, you yeah. should have that. You should be able to pay the rent the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. So it really gets into knowing your value. I tell you what, celebrities don't do anything for free. So why are no, you doing No, they do not. Very, unless they, you are their best friend, you grew up with them for 30 years. And even then, because mean. even then, and, you know, even if you are their best friend and grew up with them for 30 years and they do something for you, you best believe you're making it up yeah, to them in some yeah, way. Yeah. So why are we, as, you know, 
just citizens of the world. Why are we devaluing ourselves and our services? And that's something I'm so glad what you mentioned about your group. Mm. I'm so glad those people plucked that out and saw that and was like, no way. Mm. These are professional you know, PAs and production crew and camera crew, and they need to be paid a thousand, five hundred, two hundred, three hundred, whatever they're making a day, they need right. to be making their salary. And I'm glad they plucked that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, um, you know, again, it, it, it's all about still maintaining, like, you know, let's say, let's say, to, you know, you, you took a bunch of jobs that were, low-hanging fruit per se you know what I mean that and and then your next client you know has this like six-figure deal that she wants wants to run with you and then she learns wait wait a minute you did this for this person I don't know maybe I you it's always going to be about maintaining your perception of value the value of not just to your client but to yourself because we work hard for what we like it may not it may seem glamorous but it's a lot of hard work it's a lot of hard work and honestly you don't even get much of the glamour right and I know you can definitely understand this because like I was at Coachella last year because I brought in sponsorships I got to maybe see like maybe 20 minutes of something because it took me 24 hours to get there. There was a big storm. Mm -hmm. So it took me 24 hours to get from New York to Palm Springs. And I had to take a two hour lift from LAX to Palm Springs to get Mm -hmm. there. Cause you know, I missed my flight due to the storms. Then I get there and I'm, I sleep four hours before I have to get up, make sure all my sponsors are on site and then get myself on site, make sure everything's going well. Everything's being excellent executed everything's going fine and then I have to have dinner afterwards with one of the sponsors who came you know to the event and before I know it it's Sunday and I'm back on the plane so Mm. glamorous the the most glamorous part of the trip for me was seeing the Palm Springs airport finally on Sunday when I got a chance to fly out of there I was like oh this is really beautiful Mm. I had no time other than that Mm. yeah I mean it's um it is, you know, we, it is, it does get thankless sometimes, but we, we, you enjoy what you do. So, and that's really where the, you oh, know, it comes yes. in. So. Make no doubt about it. I, I absolutely love what I do. I'm not going to stay in this business forever. Right. I have so many other things I want to do, but that's one thing I did say. I said, this is my business. This is my company. If I don't like it, I can walk away from it. So that's one thing. And I have to tell you, it's pretty awesome. You, you see yourself using your skills for yourself, right? Because I'll give an example, like flying out to Coachella. So we got stuck somewhere in the Midwest. Mm -hmm. And I realized by the time we got to Minneapolis, it was the flight connecting was Mm going to be gone. So I'm already in my head strategizing the way I would for a client, right? I'm like, all right, (laughs) so that flight's going to be gone. But they already said they're going to switch tickets with no issue or problem. This girl says she's flying to LAX, so she's going to Palm Springs, but they rented a car. I know it's too late to rent a car, but I could get a lift. You see all the things I'm doing? Mm -hmm. So the minute I land in Minneapolis, I'm like, I'm 
think I'm going to go to the counter. And I, I was very fortunate because so many people wanted to do that. Not everybody got on that flight. And I said, I have to be there tonight, not tomorrow, tonight. Mm. The event's mm. tomorrow. So, yeah. Mm. I'm going to pivot here a little bit because I was doing some research, just reading up on looking at some of the stuff you've done. And, and I came across something that you did just a two days ago, actually, which was an article at the Washington Informer. Yeah. And I was reading some of the stuff you wrote, uh, you uh, quoted, which I thought was fantastic. <laughs> Can you tell me what the, like, what was the context of the, uh, the interview? Um, well, that was more about the whole general idea again going back to market seven right because a lot of this is coming from like kind of bouncing off that platform of Mm. market seven and really that whole campaign and everything going on so a lot of it comes from there and it comes from the work that has happened around that and just the strategies like what we've done what we've kind of executed and that's why I say like having a client go viral is huge right because you just never know what's going to kind of pop off from there and you don't know where like I'll give you an example like I got and this is me even me personally I've gotten like people reaching out like, oh, do you want to be a part of this session? Do you want to be a part of this? Do you want to be a part of that? So yeah, it's really been, that has really been the catalyst for it. And that was definitely the catalyst around this was, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of focused on not just, and also, you know, really the, the major focus of that has been like black owned businesses. That's been, Mm -hmm. and being a, particularly Mm -hmm. a woman black owned business yep yep well that's kind of where i wanted to i was curious about it because you know um you're dealing with a lot of powerful people i mean you're dealing Mm -hmm. with a lot of brands um and i'm always curious about anyone like whether they're a man, like whether it's a brother or a sister who has a business, a small business, and how they're, you know, what their experience and interaction is when they're trying to up the game, I guess, you know, trying to uh, elevate to another level. Um, just curious, like what people's experiences are. I mean, I think it's mixed. Like I had the conversation with Devin last week about it. Mm -hmm. And um, like from the entrepreneurial standpoint of how, like finding, you know, experience with finding money and stuff. And and Devin was very, um, he was very, um, what's the word? He, he, he was very democratic in, in, in about it, which was, um, probably in all correct nothing you know bad about what he said mm-hmm. just more about you know his his understanding of why sometimes it's tough for black startups to find venture cap to invest into their businesses but you know with a woman you're being women a woman and you're being black 
to mm-hmm. me, there, therein lies. I mean, you have two hurdles. Not, you have three hurdles <laughs> yes. to go up. One, you're, you're, you're like an unknown quantity. So, and that's yes. just a business thing. And then yes. you're a woman, and then you're a black woman. Yes. And that must be fascinating to to have to navigate that situation. Oh my goodness, <laughs> for sure. It's um. Um, certainly it is quite challenging. Um, I don't want to make it at all. I don't want to make it seem at all easy, particularly for someone who may listen to this, right? right. And may want to start their own business. I don't want to misguide them. It's definitely, I mean, I'll give you an example. I've missed holidays. I've missed even my own birthdays, others' birthdays. Mm-hmm. I've missed out on trips. I've missed out on family gatherings because of work. I'll give you a perfect example. In December, I closed my first investment deal. Mm -hmm. So I'm an investment consultant and I have to be very specific about that Mm because I'm not a broker, Mm -hmm. but it will bring investments to investors and vice versa, you know, opportunities to investors and, you know, bringing investments to people looking for them. So I would close my first deal in December. It was a 1917 secured secured stock option in the film. And, you know, that's right before the holidays. That was Mm -hmm. actually right before Christmas. And I'm on the phone. And I actually was very sick at that time. Like, I guess it was the flu, you know, now we don't know, but I was very sick and, you know, I missed out on holidays and stuff. And then I was traveling cause I was in like Virginia traveling back to New York and I managed to get this deal done in three days. So mm-hmm. when you mentioned about that, it's, I feel like being a woman and being a black woman, you got to do even like for us being black, right? Twice the work for a woman. I feel like you need to do four times the work because you have to even gain the respect within your own community. There's a lot of, um, there's a dearth of support in our community for black female founders. And that comes from men and women. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, so already you're dealing with that dearth and then you go to the outside community and you're like, Ooh, you know, but there is also an advantage, especially now with the tides shifting. Right. I feel really, really good about things. I will say that because I notice a lot of things are shifting. So first of all, I feel like we're becoming more supportive of each other. I just feel it. I'm not, I'm not trying to be like super optimistic. I'm a realist, but I do see like, even when I walk down the street and stuff, like we'll say hi to you. I mean, we always kind of did that. That was the culture. I grew up in a black suburban neighborhood, so I'm used to that, but I see it now even outside of where like my own personal experience, I'll see people saying hi to each other. I'll get the support, even like you having me on this, right? You didn't have to do this. So mm-hmm. I see the support now happening. And then that inside unity is now affecting outside people as well. Cause they're kind of looking like, Oh, all right. right. And then I feel like everybody kind of want to hop on the train because black women are the fastest group of fastest growing group of entrepreneurs so i feel like we're the it thing you know hopefully that lasts yeah they are you are that's absolutely true yeah so i figure why not monetize it hop on board and (laughs) and get all (laughs) get out of it and make it work for us so 
yes, it's it's definitely it's it's sacrifices. And anyone who's thinking about starting their own business, whether they need capital or not, that's one aspect of it, right? You're gonna have to make the sacrifices, and it's not gonna always be fun because I, you know, I I remember times like people are out, especially in New York, right? Tons mm-hmm. of events, tons of stuff going on. Even now with COVID, it's still a lot going on, right? And you miss out on that because you have to be the one home or what I'll do is I'll go out. Right. But then I've got my tablet with me. So I'm there, but I'm not there. And then I usually end up having to leave early anyway. So yeah, it's definitely a sacrifice, but the payoff is massive. And when you can put together a nice resume with great projects you've done, soon you're not working so much because the work is coming to you. So mm-hmm. the payoff is worth it. If, if um, So it's funny because while, you know, we how we met – networking online the same the same experience i've met a few other people who um are trying to start their own careers i guess and they were looking for mentors yeah and um if you know if there was someone came up to you like a young young lady coming out of school who decided that she wanted to get into what you're doing what what would be the first couple pieces of advice that you would give this person Well, I would have to find out what field they want to get into, right? If they want to get into PR and marketing, my first couple pieces of advice would definitely be to do some internships. I know that doesn't sound fun. And if they pay, they usually don't pay that much. But the experience and the network you can get is invaluable. And even I'm starting to really truly understand that your network is your net worth. So do those intern and I did it myself I did take on you know the the free projects the internships I did that coming into this and it has helped me tremendously to build up and you only have to do one or two of those it's not like you have to do that forever right Right. just make sure you're getting your foot in the door where it matters and then elevate that experience to the next level yeah and you know, I, people ask me about that, and I, you know, one of the things. I mean, I, I don't, I'm, I don't really. Um, I mean, I know a lot of people. I don't, I don't oversell it, right? I don't, right? I, take it, I don't take it for granted or at all because I know how valuable it is. But the one thing I will say is that I noticed is that. Uh, and people ask when people ask me, "Oh, uh, do you know this actor? You know this writer? You know this person?" And I'll say to them, "If I don't know them, I go, no, I don't know this person, but I can know them if I want." Yes, like, I, I'm like, one, I'm not, I'm not afraid of reaching out to somebody because all they're going to say is no. That's and right. And two, it's, I I built up. I have enough people like my net. Like you said, your network is your net worth. So yes. if people see, you know, when they go on my LinkedIn, they go, "Oh, he knows this dude. Oh, he knows that." <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't. I don't. I'm not sitting there waiting, like going, "Well, you know, trying to sell myself." I just let them. I go. Here's my profile. You get to see whatever it is, and you can take take it from there. Whether you want to get associated with me, and I would say 95% of the time, I don't have a problem with connecting with people. 
And um, I, I, that would be my that my advice to people is definitely do internships, definitely network it, it, like as much as you possibly can. And that's right. Don't you know? Don't be afraid to 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 introduce yourself at an event or you know. It's, it's just you know it does take some time. It's not like overnight, but you know. No, nothing worth having it so there's that and I feel like anything just like you were saying anything worth it is going to definitely take effort mm -hmm. into it and people have to be willing to invest in themselves and mm -hmm. that's the key and I'm just not talking about monetary investment I'm talking about the emotional physical and mental investment into themselves and into their business if they want to see it succeed and mm -hmm. I think as well you're right um it's funny how you how you mentioned that because I say the same I'll give you an example like right now I'm focused on doing um sponsorship outreach for the same client I mentioned mm -hmm. market seven because opening markets is not cheap as we well know right. so I'm focused on that and I mentioned like, oh yeah, you know, celeb integration into sponsorship um, mm. packages mm. and people will often be surprised that I know such and such or such and such and I'm like, but you shouldn't be surprised because that is exactly the skill set that I'm using to drive your campaigns and make them work. It's all about just connecting, you know, mm. and you should not be surprised at, at anything I can do because that's literally the same skill sets I'm using to drive your campaign and make it a success. Mm. Does yeah. it make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. Totally, 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 totally. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's um, the best part about, I think, being in this, um, being being uh, able to, like, have, like, kind of like this straddle line persona of public, per public personality and yet behind the scenes thing is, um, at least for me, is that I... I enjoy um, giving my knowledge back on some level where um, someone else can learn from it and uh, and hopefully um, use it to their advantage to kind of do something positive um, for whether it's start a business or it's you know, work at a nonprofit and do something, whatever it is. Because I think a lot of the skills that we have translates translates across multiple. Like, um, I think we could do anything. I, <laughs> I think, agree. I think we could run for politics. We could be, you know, producers. We could work in a science lab to to some extent i think we can do if you a lot think of about it we're already doing a lot of that stuff in our everyday life we just don't get the credit for it right yeah so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i i was watching there's a show i watched called lie to me it used to be on on fox and uh as i'm watching this show basically the show's about this this guy who owns a, a, an agency and he 
uses his skills at telling whether people can lie or lying to solve different problems. And, um, but the more important thing that I take out of it is knowing people is just understanding people and understanding the motivations behind a lot of things. And just because I think as we work with different types of personalities and this comes through kind of full circle back to your client dealing with clients is us having this innate ability of understanding people and knowing people and, and, and talking to people and being a people person, because I don't know, like personally, I'm not like in my private life, I'm kind of like a pretty chill person. I don't, spend a lot of, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like once I, an event is over with, I tell people, I will talk to you in a few days. <laughs> I, I need to often recharge. I This is a lot of energy, and I mm. know you can appreciate this. This is so much energy that gets put out. Mm -hmm. And I'm Aries, too, so, you know, we put extra, extra energy into right. it. Right, right. So I'm, by the time I'm done and by the time I, I get all this you know, get everything. I really just like want to shut off my phone. I don't want to talk to anybody. And it's funny because a lot of people don't believe it. I tell people I'm actually quite shy. I'm like extroverted yep. and I'm shy. <laughs> and <laughs> like when you were saying, don't be afraid to go up to people and talk. Oftentimes when I'm at events, I don't speak to anybody unless mm. I'm at the bar, right? Because you kind of have to talk right. at the bar. Right. But I remember when I first moved to New York and I tried to walk around the room and talk to people and people literally looked at me like I was crazy. To be fair, a lot of racism was in that too, because mm. I was at an all white event. And I was mm. just like, whoops, never mind. I thought New York that. was like open. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I thought I was like, oh, this is gonna be so open and welcoming and it's New York and it's liberal and it's gonna be this, that and the other. And I did it that day and I said, Nope, I got it. I got it. Yeah, it's like never it is, but it ain't, right? Like uh Yeah. You know, what the the higher you climb that ladder, the thinner the air is. So most certainly, and there are certainly people waiting to to make sure you fall down that ladder. So you have to be the one to tether yourself, and mm -hmm. that's that's something I would certainly tell someone who asked me for advice. You you've got to be secure in yourself and know yep. who you are because if you don't, you're yep. not going to succeed. You're going to be listening to everybody yep. until you do nothing. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And you have to believe whatever it is, like if you if you're trying to start a business or something, you have to believe in that. You just have to and because like you have to have you have to have belief that it can happen, but you also have to be have enough faith in the the people who are closest around you. Um, when, you know, to, to be able to kind of keep you grounded to a lot of, right. you know what I mean? Um, because, you know, it's also like, there's also such thing as being too in love with your project and wasting some time on, on projects that you probably should let go. And I think that's also something that comes with experience. You just, you, you know, you don't know until you know, it's just unfortunate that way. And, a lot of great great businesses started that way where the first idea didn't pan out but the next idea did so but 
you don't know until you let go of one to, you know, sometimes. So um, I've had to do that myself. I'm glad that you mentioned that as I, you know, get older and become in our African culture, we say ma or auntie. So Mm -hmm. as I get into my ma-ness or (laughs) auntie-ness, I'm learning (laughs) when, like some things, if I, if I, think it's just like all right no this is this is really too much and it's not panning out the way I want it to I'll let it go and move on to something else I mean life is too short it's too long and it's too short so (laughs) I'm not gonna waste time beating a dead horse then again also it's it's a fine line right Mm -hmm. because don't walk away from things either because then you're never going to see anything successfully completed but also know when to walk away yeah that again like i wish i could tell a person exactly how long to stick with an idea right before you let it go but there's just you just you just have to have a, a gut feeling about it sometimes you know it's um but i to me, like, you really have to ultimately believe, especially in New York, especially in New York, you really have to believe in what you're doing because um, you're going to go to an event, you're going to meet people who are going to try to knock you down and knock your idea or or doubt what you can do, and you know, and especially when you're a minority or a woman that is like, every single day of your 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 career your life um but you've got to be able to be persistent because you know sometimes all you got is you and that's right you know it's it's and and to that point you're absolutely right i was telling someone this the other day that um we were talking about something and this was a white guy too. Mm-hmm. I said, you're, I said something to the effect of you're surprised by this or you're feeling this way because you walk through the world differently. I'm a mm. black woman. I'm on the bottom of this world. So everything that you're saying is absolutely no surprise to me. Like I knew this right. back at six years old because mm-hmm. I've been prepped for this, but not only prepped for this, I've been aware of this, right? Because we all go through this experience, you know, particularly black women, but who's paying attention to the experience and who's not. So that is definitely a, a, um, kicker right there because if you're paying attention you know how to navigate and you know how to succeed. Remember when our kids, when our, um, teachers used to put us in the maze or (laughs) right like you do the maze thing and stuff and if you're watching if you're paying attention you know how to get out of that maze because you know how that maze is going if you're not watching or even we used to draw it on the paper right draw the line to get us out the maze Mm -hmm. if you're paying attention and aware yes it's difficult yes it's a maze yes it's not fun right i hate mazes but (laughs) if i'm paying and maybe that's why i paid attention so much right because i hated it so much I wanted to be done with it as soon as possible, whether it was on the paper or we're actually we're doing it in person. So because I hated it, I wanted to get out of it, which means I paid attention in order to get out of it. I've used those same principles for life and business and Mm. everything. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. Yeah. (laughs) You know, 
my my the one thing I'll I always kind of think about sometimes, especially when my I'm around my niece or friends who have children and stuff, is that um, you know kids don't have this thing, right? Like they they there's no preconceived notion of you know, race whatsoever. They just see another kid, somebody they want to play with, somebody, you know, somebody they can do something with, you know. A thousand and one percent. As aware as I was as a mm. child, I, people used to call me a little adult because mm. I was so aware. Mm. I didn't know what race was. Yeah. And, and, and somehow, somewhere along the line, we learn to... Um, we we place a value on a color. Yep. And um, that's that to me is that is the that is probably got to be the saddest moment in, in a person's life. That moment when you come to start putting a value on a color, and that's because you know, it changes everything. It literally, it literally changes everything. And not just color, right? Right. A value on someone's social status. Mm -hmm. A value on someone's career. Like, you know, and I know too, right? You walk into an event, people be like, what do you do? What do you do? You know, and if you don't do something they think is important or they don't think you're important, they walk away from you. And really the first basis of that is what you're saying, color. Because mm-hmm. even if you're black and wealthy and successful and a whole nine yards, right, your value is still wrapped up in the fact in the fact that you're black. I grew up in a well-to-do family. I grew up in a black suburban neighborhood surrounded by black people who had, you know, made their coming up in life, but still very humble, right? Like very humble, very down to earth. Mm-hmm. And it did not matter who I was when I, now here's the strange thing. I will tell you this. Mm. I noticed like, for example, the police officers might treat us differently, right? Because maybe they know who we are, but society didn't treat, racism was very blatant and, and out there and (laughs) you Mm. felt it in every aspect of our lives. We felt, I remember one time my family and I drove down to Virginia in you know like deep virginia because i grew up in arlington so this is deeper virginia because my grandfather was looking for fresh fish so of course you want to go closer to you know chesapeake and all of that and we get down there and i hop out the car and i go in the store and that was one of the first times i experienced racism because this two white men were sitting at the table Mm -hmm. i was like i didn't even say anything you know you instinctively knew this ain't it. So I backed out the door without turning my back on them because I didn't know what they were going to do. I back out the door and I wait for my family to come in. And then they soften up a bit, you know, when they saw my family because, you know, they're expected right. to make some money. But that right. first initial feeling was absolutely horrific. Mm, that's a terrible feeling. <laughs> Horrible feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you, the funny thing is that you can explain that you can explain that to a white person um, and they'll just, they, I don't know. They won't if get they, it. They won't get it. 
They won't, they won't they, get it. Then no one, no one can ever understand. Like I had a friend of mine who, um, when all of this George Floyd things started kicking off, we had this conversation. She came. She said, "She." she the first thing she said to me was, "You know, I finally understand how hard it is to be a black man in America." She's like, wow. "I never really understood from the day." one how much pressure you people you you guys are under wow and, and i never it never really occurred to me either to be honest not in that way but then i started thinking about it and i'm like damn that's true <laughs> like seriously like literally i can remember my brother probably if he hears this he'd be like this would throw something back so my brother's 11 years older than me and uh-huh. When he ran, he so when he was in high school, he was he ran track and field, and he would compete all over the country. And so my family would sometimes follow him. You know, we'd get on hop on Greyhound buses and travel to wherever he was competing at, and um, go to see him. So I remember being must have been five, six years old, and we were. Um, on our way to Detroit to um, see him compete. And this white bus driver wouldn't not wouldn't let me on. Not my family, me. And wow. because he didn't want no black kids on the bus yelling and screaming. I hadn't said oh. anything. I was the most quiet kid on like that you'd ever want to have. And my grandmother, like, she was, <laughs> she was about to beat, beat his ass. <laughs> my, she would have done it, too. She, she, you know, but it's just like, I, I don't, you know, at that moment, it didn't really register to me. But later on in life, I thought about it. I'm like, how is it, as a five-year-old, I did something wrong? That's, that's what killed me. And Isn't this something like already at that young age, you were already getting into mm-hmm. the whole black men are this way without even, it's like guilty mm. before, before innocent, yeah. you know, like it's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Um uh, I was watching a Dave Chappelle special on Netflix. Uh, I think it was his last, one of the last ones he did. And he, <clears throat> there was a guy in the audience from Brooklyn and he gets up to go to the bathroom and, you know, Dave makes fun of him, whatever. But then he says something that was really like, just smart. He was like, he said, that brother right there, that brother right there is under tremendous pressure every single day for being a black man, for wearing his hair in dreads. He's like, that brother right there is under tremendous pressure. He's like, I don't even know him. And I know he is. And, and it's so like, true. That's crazy. It's true. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> you know, to assume that. And, and, you know, so I, you know, I... I have made a concerted effort recently to kind of, you're right. You're absolutely right. As we walk down the street now, it is a different feeling. It is a different feeling. It's a different feeling. To each I other. do. 
I and I will say one thing to this before we hop off because I know it's yep. a little bit after nine. Yep. One thing I would like the um, and this is particularly talking within us, like our community. Mm-hmm. One thing I've noticed, and I'm not, you know, some people will hear this and take it the wrong way because obviously I'm a black woman and I am affected. Right. You know, black women are dying at the highest rate, usually at their partners, right? Yeah. Who are usually black men. Yeah. But one thing I thought about, I took a step back, like not, a, you know, I thought about this. Obviously, it hurts my soul. And every time I see this story, like my heart just breaks, right? Mm. But then I took a step back and I said, you know, I think one thing, like as we're growing, like you said, you feel the difference. I feel the difference. Times are changing. Mm -hmm. I would really like us to have a conversation where I'll give you an example. I have a lot of guy friends, a lot of black guy friends. Right. So whenever they're on my page, like I have one guy. He's, he could, he will get quite expressive on my page and be like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, no, this page is an open page for you. Like, you speak your mind. This, I never want you to feel censored. And I have a nephew, so I totally embarrass him and give him compliments all the time and stuff because I know what the world is going to do to him. Right. So I'm doing my part to combat that, right? Yeah. And I know I embarrass him sometimes, but I'll just be like, <laughs> you're so handsome. You have such beautiful hair like Titi. You're so amazing. Like, I will do that he'll be like oh my goodness sorry are we done I'm like no we're not done I'm gonna compliment you some more so one thing I realized that was lacking and I can't say this directly attributes to you know what's happening with the violence and all that stuff against black women but I think black men don't have safe spaces to express freely their emotions and their feelings and their you know um, just everything. And that's why I try, like, I feel like black men don't get enough compliments. That's why, like, mm. my, I hope my nephew grows up appreciating what I'm doing for him now. Cause I've been right. that way towards him since he was born. I've been like, oh, you're the most beautiful, most handsome, most smart. Like, cause I know what the world's going to do. So I'm, right. like I said, I'm trying to combat that. But I feel like black men don't get enough compliments. I feel like black men don't have spaces to express themselves. And I feel like overall, like black men have, and don't, don't get me wrong. We got our burden too as black right. women. Oh, right. don't get it twisted. Right. But I feel like if black men had spaces to cry, to yell, to scream, to be happy, to laugh, to just get all those emotions, I feel like overall, it, like we'd all be happier. I I tend to agree. I tend to agree. I think <clears throat> there's a stigma of guys for black men um, that come along with them, you know, expressing that. So I think that needs to be stripped away and they need to have places where they can have this, whatever it is they need to com- communicate or share or whatever. And also they need to be able to do it not with each other. You know what I mean? I mean, they need, they, it, it, you know, because uh, the only ones are going to understand are other people going through it. So, That's right. That's right. Um, I think, I hope that the younger men are learning to do that more um, because obviously I think past my generation, older than me, um, that was kind of, I think that's just, it was 
you know, kind of looked upon as weak, which shouldn't, it should obviously, no one should be afraid to be able to be who they are, regardless who they are. Exactly. So I'm all for that. Um, I would definitely love to discuss this with you more, you know, even off air, I would love, my goal is at least by 20, you know, end of 2020, 2021 to kind of start this going. But obviously I need to step back because I'm a woman and really let this be, you know, men for men, safe space, you know, where it's not even a gaze of a woman in that space. Right. No, we, we will continue to have this conversation. That's that of that I have no doubt because <laughs> um, I've been looking for creative new different ways of kind of helping helping people helping things out and um, that is that is on my radar that's what it's actually been on my radar before like before um, so we'll we'll have we'll definitely have more conversation because I, I I see there's an opportunity to help a lot of people here. So absolutely, um, and I'm I will welcome anybody. I think it doesn't matter where the help comes from as long as it comes. So. And that's the way I see it. As long as it comes, it will be most welcome mm-hmm. and utilized to the maximum because like you're saying times are different times are changing and we want to take full advantage of that we don't want these times mm. changing and we're not ready absolutely absolutely this was a good conversation i you know we could talk forever i sound i feel like but <laughs> i know you are probably got a million things that you're about that you're probably going to do as soon as you hop off this call oh yeah definitely but don't worry we will connect again very and I, i'll send you a message and you can let me know what your schedule's like yep. and we will continue on yep yep so where can people continue to find out more about what you're doing is there anyone where on social media people can follow you or or... Yeah, absolutely. Follow me at MLMNY. That's Monique Lewis Management New York. So MLMNY or on LinkedIn at Monique Lewis Management. Cool. Well, Monique Mo, thank you for yes. <laughs> jumping on the call with me. And um, you're welcome to come back anytime you want. I will certainly be back on either this one or one of your other oh yeah you can come platforms. on any of those. Well, you'll have a ball if you come on you should come on the drop on the download podcast and do a, like a movie with us because you would I have would a great that. time it'd be real like real fun i would absolutely love that you let me know the date and time and i would love to hop on that and actually be really cool to discuss some of the stuff that's kind of happening out there right because i don't even know what's out right now i have to update a quick bit so yes nothing (laughs) (laughs) it's all Um, online right (laughs) yeah um all right well Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Let me know if I can be of a service to anything. And uh, I have actually, I got a video I'm going to send you to let me know what you think about it. I sure will. And same to you. Let me know if there's anything I can help out with, anything I can do. I will certainly join you on 
the other podcasts. In fact, I think I'll be free this time next week. So oh, okay, so maybe we'll, uh, we'll we'll work something out because we have a few films we haven't done yet. So I'll um, we'll I'll be in touch and we'll see if we can set it up for next weekend. I would love that. That would be amazing. Cool. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much and uh, enjoy the rest of your evening and have a great weekend. And same to you. And we will connect soon. Thank you for this opportunity. This has been wonderful. Yeah, thank you. Same here. <laughs>